0: Hey everyone, it's Susie Castillo, Miss USA 2003, and you're listening to Life After the Crown with Tim Fialdo.
1: Hey everybody, my name is Tim Tialdo, and welcome to Season 2 of the Life After the Crown podcast. Now, if you haven't had a chance to listen to any of the previous episodes, I do encourage you to go back and listen, because there are many valuable interviews that you will definitely gain some wisdom from. Now, for those of you who are just tuning in for the first time, welcome and thanks for checking us out. Each episode of Life After the Crown, I interview former pageant contestants, title holders, and women of influence who share advice and stories on how to help you succeed in the world of pageants, but more importantly, how you can flourish in the professional world once your pageant journey comes to an end. As always, I appreciate you taking the time to download this podcast. I do value your time and I'm glad you're here listening. So let's get started. My guest today was Miss USA 2003 and Miss Massachusetts Teen USA 1998 as the third Latina to ever win the coveted Miss USA title. She was also the fourth former Miss Teen USA state title holder to win the national crown. She co-hosted Miss Teen USA in 2005 and has had a successful career as an actor, television host and author. You may recognize her from her years of being on MTV as a host and washing her face in commercials as a Neutrogena ambassador or maybe from one of her many acting gigs. She is the co-founder of Pageantology with her Miss USA sister Shandi Finnessy and together they are known as two of the most prominent and sought-after pageant coaches in the industry. She also hosts a show called Cultural Capital for NASDAQ in which she introduces you to the leaders of tomorrow as they show her around the places in which they work, play, and thrive. She and her husband, Matt, have been living in Los Angeles for the past 13 years with their two Chihuahuas, Lupe and Oscar. She's a friend, a trusted confidant in the hosting world to me, and I'm always excited to chat with her. Susie Castillo, great to have you back on the show. Welcome.
0: Thank you so much for having me, Tim. My yeah. gosh, it's so funny. To, you even know my Chihuahua's names. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know. And you, well, you post them all the time. They're They're adorable.
0: I do. Yeah, they do have an Instagram account. That's for sure.
1: Well, look, I I know you've been on the show before with Shandy, and we've got so much to talk about because I I know we covered a lot in that show about pageant-specific stuff, but this is more about you, and and there's so much more to you that we didn't get to cover in those episodes. So let's start with your pageant journey, and we'll kind of go through that, and then we'll get into some of the cool stuff that you've got to do over your career. So um, I guess going back to Massachusetts, I know we talked about it in our previous episode a little bit, but just walk me through the very first time you got introduced to pageantry and how you got into it.
0: Yeah, it was actually interesting. Because I had started modeling when I was fourteen years old, and you know, probably around sixteen, I think I I started modeling with a an agency in Boston. And I had entered a friend of mine from high school um, was a subscriber to Teen Magazine. Do you remember? I don't even know oh, yeah. what Teen yeah. Magazine. It was big. Well, when I was in high
1: school, <laughs> thirty-five years ago.
0: Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Same here. <laughs> and she was she subscribed to Teen Magazine and so one of the things we loved to do every month was like whenever she would get her new magazine we'd like you know open it up on her bed and we'd take a look and what are the latest makeup trends and fashion trends and we loved it and every year Teen Magazine would do they would partner up with Maybelline and they would do the Teen Magazine and Maybelline great model search and I had all you know I had a modeling portfolio by then and my friend Jessica she said Susie we should send your photos in for this model search And I remember remember just thinking, okay, you're crazy, like, it's never gonna happen. So long story short, she convinces me, I make copies of my portfolio, photos from my portfolio, and I send it in, I end up like making the first cut, and then the second cut, and then the third cut, and then the fourth cut. And I end up being one of the national one of the 12 national finalists that they flew to New York City. And we had a fashion show, we were there for a week, it was so much fun. And there were I was there with uh, 11 other girls from across the country that were also finalists, and I ended up being the first runner-up in that competition, and I was so upset because the winner got to be on the cover of the October issue of Teen, Ma- or of Teen Magazine that year, and October is my birthday month, so I was like, oh my gosh, what an amazing <laughs> birthday present this, this would be. So even though I was first runner-up and did well, I I was really upset, and I, you know, get back home to, and, and have a meeting with my agent in Boston. And he was like, how did it go in New York? And he's so excited for me. And I was like, oh, eh, you know, I, I was first runner up. And he was like, Susie, like, you should be really proud of yourself and happy because, I mean, do you have any idea how like the thousands of girls that enter this model search every year and you were number two of everyone, you know? And so when he put it that way, I was like, oh yeah, I guess that's pretty cool. And I do still get to be in the magazine because they did this whole photo shoot while we were all in New York and um, the finalists, like ha- like we, Maybelline, uh, you know, did our makeup and our hair and everything. And, and we got to um, showcase some of the newest Maybelline makeup that was coming out that year. And they used us as models. So while I was at that meeting with my agent telling him all about New York, he said, you know, this is going to sound crazy. It's not something you've ever done before. But you should really consider entering the Miss Massachusetts Teen USA pageant. Like if you win, you go to Miss Teen USA. And if you win that, all of your dreams will come true. Because he knew that, I mean, since I signed with him, he knew that I my, my big dream was to either move to New York City or move to Los Angeles and continue modeling, work in entertainment as an actor. Maybe hosting really wasn't on my radar back then. I kind of, I fell into the hosting world um, almost just, by mistake i feel like uh-huh. but yeah so that's how i got into pageantry he convinced me to enter the pageant and he said you know a lot of these girls that win miss teen usa and miss usa like they go on to to do acting and to work in entertainment and you know my eyes widened and i was like oh okay well let me look into this um and sure enough you know there were tons of former miss teen usas that had gone on to to be actors and have had successful um Successful careers in the entertainment industry. So that's that's how I got into pageants. And And I I won my first one.
1: Well, and and I think, you know, what you went through and you were a big part of that is that was the draw for many years to compete in Teen USA is because people like Susie Castillo used it to go on to do bigger things. Yeah. Did you you envision that when you got into pageantry? Did you think that was what would come of it? Or you just thought you would compete in a gown and a swimsuit and get up there and do your thing?
0: Oh, no, I didn't want to compete in a swimsuit and a gown and answer questions on the spot like that (laughs) on stage. I, I wanted, Tim is so crazy because I wanted... Nothing to do with that. In fact, when my when my modeling agent from Boston um, was telling me about it, I, the, I mean, I cut him off. The first thing I said out of my mouth was like, "You're absolutely nuts! Like, I can't do that. I have no. I love watching pageants. I mean, I'm Puerto Rican and Dominican. This is pageantry is like our our sort of our culture, <laughs> you know. So every you know Miss Universe pageant, Miss America, Miss you know Miss USA, Miss Teen USA used to be televised. You know, growing when I was growing up. I mean, not a single pageant on television would go by without us sitting around the television and watching and picking our favorites. It was so much fun, but it just wasn't anything that ever interested me. And it wasn't until I saw the opportunities for later in life and how it could open doors for me in my career that I was interested in in actually competing.
1: And your big sis in Massachusetts, if I'm not mistaken, was Shawnee Jevia, correct?
0: Yeah, it was Shawnee. Yeah, Shawnee was uh, the first Miss Massachusetts usa to win the title and so yeah. when i won miss math team usa she was miss math usa and then went on to win miss usa
1: got it well we she lives here in denver we catch up every now and then and i remember her saying that when uh, when we had her on the podcast mm-hmm. so five years later miss usa you're yeah. going, going from. I don't want to compete in pageants. Nothing, you know, on my mind. <laughs> you finished top fifteen at T, yeah. now, now you're going to Miss USA. Obviously, uh, you win. Talk about the experience of winning, and really the doors that it opened up. Because I think, you know, especially at that time, you know, as we previously mentioned on that other podcast, I mean, you and Shandy were right in the prime. Of the growth of Miss USA.
0: Yeah, it was. There was a lot going on at that time. You know, Donald Trump had just, uh, per- I, I don't know how many years prior to winning Miss I think Miss it was USA, 97 be, or
1: 98. Is that when he took over? Yeah, no, it, I when, think, well, Shawnee Shawne said she was the very first girl to sign a contract with him. So it, I guess that would have been uh, late, late 98, early
0: 99. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yep. Okay, wow. So, yeah, okay. So I, well, at that time the pageant had been on CBS for many many years and so then my Miss USA 2003 that telecast it was the first time that it was televised on NBC so MUO and Donald Trump like moved things over to NBC they changed the production I believe they hired a new production company and so everything they just wanted to make a splash and you're right they did and like that year and many years after, you know, the ratings were really great for the pageant, um, not just from Miss USA but from Miss Universe as well. And you know, I mean, for me, after going to Miss Teen USA and not even making the top fifteen, I it kind of lit a fire under me because I was like, oh my gosh, like if I really want to do well in this, because I want, I want these doors to open up for me, right? And I was very, I was always an ambitious. Person And an ambitious kid, like anything that I set my mind to do, I did it and I did it, you know, 200%. And if I still didn't accomplish what I, what I wanted to accomplish, I would be really upset about it, but I would just figure out another way to get there. So I knew that I would get to LA somehow, um, if it didn't happen through pageantry. But because I chose this path at that time, um, I said, you know, I'm going to give it my all. And I definitely saw where I went wrong when I competed at Miss Teen USA and I wanted to do things differently when I went to Miss USA and, um, and I did and, and I won. And the day after I won, uh, you know, I'm assuming MUO still does this with all the girls that win the pageant, but you sit down around this big conference table with everyone, with Paula Sugar, everybody from, you know, the PR department, the legal department, everybody at MUO. And it's just kind of a, let's get to know our new girl, you know, like meeting. And at the pageant, I remember Paula asking me, like, well, what are your goals for after Miss USA, after you're done with your reign? And I said, I am so glad you asked me that because I, that's the reason why I'm here. You know, I said, I, I do have things, you know, philanthropy work that I've always done that I'm very passionate about. And I understand that being Miss USA, you're representing this incredible brand that has been around for decades. But I, my primary reason for entering the pageant was because I need to find a great agent and manager in Los Angeles uh, because I've, I've been acting and modeling since I was 14. And she was just so amazing. I mean, two weeks later, I was sitting down with the Willie Morris agency and they signed me. And that, that was my first agency. And it's funny because I remember when my agent when I was back when I was 17, um, my, when my then modeling agent in Boston said, you know, a lot of these girls go on to do amazing things, I started doing some research and I saw that Halle Berry was first runner up to Miss USA in what, 1987, I think, uh, if my pageant's career? So. I think that's right. 87, I believe. And I was like, wow, she didn't even win. And it opened all these doors for her. And then I remember reading online that her agency was the Willie Morris Agency. And when Paula Sugar sent me up with them, I just remember thinking that I was like, oh, my gosh, this is Halle Berry's agent. You know, they're they're She's at Willie Morris Agency. And I'm like, they're never going to want to represent me like who am I? And I sit down at this meeting and at the end of the meeting, they're like, well, we'd love to represent you. And I could have just burst into tears. I was I just couldn't believe it. Like everything, my whole reason for entering the pageant and, you know, those doors to open happened. And it was two weeks into my reign and already I had exactly what I wanted, which was just incredible to me.
1: Well, uh, one of the things uh, going back to, to a little bit before Miss USA that uh, you and Shandy and I had talked about that I know a lot of girls really appreciated and they connected with it. And I see it all the time at the state level. And I, I wanted to dive into mm-hmm. it a little bit more again was um I guess you and I grew up in an era in which there was no social media at the time and now there's social media mm-hmm. and re- relationships are quite a bit different. So um, what I'm mainly talking about here is boyfriends. And so when girls compete, oh, yeah, you know, a lot of times they get uh, insecure, controlling boyfriends. I see it all the time and girls really get stressed out over it, you know, emotional wrecks, the whole thing. And yeah. I think one of the things that, you know, with your boyfriend, now husband, you had to sit down and have a serious conversation about was, look, you're either on my wagon, rowing my way, or you're not. Can you kind of talk about yeah. how you had to to deal with that? Because I think it, a lot of girls probably have that same issue.
0: Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, I think it's the age, too, right? When, um, I mean, I like insecurities, I have my own insecurities now, you know, as, as an adult. But, like, even back then... Um, I think those things are, um, you know, we don't have our egos in check as much as we do. Like, as we get older, we we learn how to deal with those things to to better our relationships um, and to help our relationships thrive. But back then, Matt and I had been dating for, I want to say, three years. And we knew, I mean, I, like I said, I've always been a very ambitious person. Uh, girl you know and back then i was super ambitious because it was like the beginning of my you know i was it was just starting in my life and my career and um being an adult and we had started dating in college and i let him know i was like okay i'm like this is going to be the next thing i'm going to try this pageant again and cuz he wasn't we weren't together when i did um Miss Massachusetts Teen USA mm-hmm. he was uh he wasn't in the picture just yet and so it was after you know when i didn't win Teen USA I started college my freshman year and I met Matt a year later. And so we had been dating for about three years at that point. And I decided to enter the pageant and I win the state pageant and I'm getting ready for Miss USA. And, you know, he laughs now and he, looking back, he says, I knew you were going to win Miss USA. You were so determined and you were so like your ambition. It was like something I've never seen before. And he said that that scared him and it was out of fear of losing me that he acted out and wasn't being supportive. And, you know, and I just remember, oh man, I remember him saying something, something to the effect that like, oh, you know, you're not going to win this thing. Like, what are the odds? And I just remember sitting down with him and being like, look, like, that's not what I need to hear right now. I have a mission. I have a goal. Um, This is going to, if you're still with me, this is going to better your life as well. And so this is a, this is a sacrifice that I'm making for not just myself, but for, for you too. But, you know, this is a, it's been a dream of mine since I was a kid and nothing is going to stop me. So you're either on board with me and you're supportive or you're not going to be here. And I kind of was, I I was that clear with him. Um, And I think that's when he, things started changing for him. Um, And he started to get even more supportive. And it was just, you know, again, when we talk about it now, it was just his own insecurity. You know, he was insecure. He didn't, it was intimidating. You know, a lot of, I think a lot of young men are intimidated by um, really strong women, especially, you know, when you're in different places. Like for me, I knew exactly what I wanted to do with my career and the rest of my life. And Matt was still trying to figure that out. So he was just, you know, his insecurity was telling him, well, she's not going to be here. She's going to leave me because she, you know, she's on this path and I don't even know what my path is just yet. So all of that came into play. And that's what was causing him to say some of the things that he definitely didn't mean because he loved me. I knew he loved me. Um, But sometimes it just, you know, there were a couple conversations that I had to have, not just before I won Miss USA, but even when I was Miss USA, because that was really tough and the job i mean you're living out of your suitcase for that year and and even as a title holder a lot of times i mean i see them on social media title hold state title holders are so busy and between school and their families and work and being a title holder and you know fulfilling their obligations um doing their their appearances and stuff it's a lot of work and you need people to be supportive and if you have to sit down with your boyfriend or with a friend that isn't being 100% supportive, if you have to sit down with them and have that conversation, do it. Because you only get this one, this is a one, as you know, Tim, this is a a one-shot deal. You don't get a second chance at Miss USA if you don't do well, or Miss Teen USA, you only get one shot. You will only be the state type holder one year. Like, if they can't get through that with you, then you need to reevaluate your relationship. And, and I think you should let them go if they're not going if to, if after you sit down with them and have a conversation, they don't get it and they're not on board or supportive of your goals and your dreams and what you want to do. I, I mean, sometimes we have to have breakups, not just with boyfriends, um, but with friends as well.
1: And and look, I love how you handled it. And I I think it was the right thing to do. And, you know, kind of that verbal thread of like, you're going to lose me if you don't shape up and kind of, you know, have some confidence in yourself. But uh, look, as a guy, you know, I mean, if I'm looking back when I was 20, 22, 24, you know, I hadn't really started succeeding in my career yet. I could understand where, you know, somebody Mm -hmm. who's incredibly beautiful, who's about to step up to a platform where they're going to be around success and fame I could see from a you know a guy's standpoint where that's intimidating and it's like, God, am I going to lose her to some guy who's going to come along and sweep her off her feet and she's going to look back at me and be like, ah, he's just in the beginning of his career. I could see that. So I think, you know, yeah. when, you, when you have the conversation if for you girls who are listening, and I'm speaking from a guy's standpoint here, understand yeah. where they're coming from. It's not that they don't love you. It's not that they want to control you. It's that they're terrified that you're going to leave them. And if you just give them the confidence that you, I guess in this case, love them and you're not going to, that's all they really need to hear. I'll mm-hmm. be be—I'll be dead honest with you because I, I just, if I'm yeah. going back 20 years, I could see how some guys feel like that. I'm not talking about the controlling assholes who just want to do what they want to do and not let you go anywhere. That's not, not what I'm talking about. I'm mm-hmm. just talking about the, the genuine boyfriends who are just, they're they're being honest. They're intimidated. And that's okay. Right. Um, but I do. Right. I love how you handled it. and I think it's a good lesson for the girls listening. So thanks for sharing that. Um,
0: yeah, no, you're welcome. And it does. And by the way, it didn't it didn't end, you know, I, it, at that time. I mean, I Miss I, when I was Miss USA, I actually broke up with him for like two or three days <laughs> because he was <laughs> still. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. So I had um, Miss Teen USA with Tammy Farrell. Um, And, you know, I was Miss USA. Um, Justine Pasek was Miss Universe. Amelia Vega hadn't been crowned yet. And the three of us went to um, this charity event for the New York Yankees. One of the the, the catcher for the New York Yankees had a son um, who has like a a severe learning disability. So it was this event that he was doing. All the Yankees were there. And at some point in the evening, Esther Swan, do you know Esther
1: from the Miss Universe organization? I I do.
0: Yeah, so Esther, Esther was our travel manager that evening, and uh, you know this big guy comes over and taps Esther on the on the shoulder, and he says, um, "Hi, like you know, I am Mr. Jeter Darcher, I'm Mr. Jeter's bodyguard, and he asked me to come over to invite you ladies over to his table." So you know Esther looks at him and like, "Girls, do you want to go hang out with Derek Jeter?" And we're like, yes, "Let's go <laughs> hang out with Derek Jeter! Please. How cool, right?" So we all make our way over to his little like VIP area at this event, and he's chit chatting with us. And next thing I know, you know, he's talking to me, and he's inviting me to a game, and he's flirting with me, you know. And I thought it was hilarious. I mean, being from Massachusetts, I was like, well, I'm a Boston Red Sox fan, so neat. <laughs> you know, can I wear my Red Sox here? I can't I can't support the Yankees, you know. I'm like, I live here but I can't and he was laughing and he's like, No, he's like, Not if you wanna get out of Yankee Stadium alive, like you can't wear Boston Red Sox here. And I'm like, Well, I'm so sorry, I can't come to the game. And so I was like, you know, I was being nice and like friendly, but um I wasn't gonna go to the game and like you know, accept I, I was in a committed relationship. You know, I was in love with Matt. I, there was nothing and nobody that was gonna, you know, keep me from that. And but I it's those home types of stories.
1: Night. It's those types of stories that, you know, the guys here and they're like, Jesus, can I compete with Derek Jeter? No, you can't. But that's that's the point.
0: But you can, if it's true love, a girl, I'm telling you, I went home that night and I, you know, I called Matt, like I always did every night. And he was like, Oh, how was your event today? And I told him the story and I thought it was hilarious. Right. Cause so many times <laughs> has Derek Jeter been, <laughs> I was like, I'm sure this is never, I don't know, maybe it's happened a couple of times in there, you know, but probably not often where a girl's like, no, you know, doesn't accept his, his advances. And I thought it was funny. And I told him about it and he was like, you know, his heart dropped. He was like, Oh my God, this is exactly what I was like, what I was dreading. I'm like, babe, I'm not going like, I'm not going to the game. Like it's all good. And so it was, you know, I, I like to tell that story because it just, you know, when you're in love and you know that a relationship is real and, it, it, there's nothing. There's no celebrity, no amount of money on the planet that will keep you away from that. And sometimes, you know, it took me telling that that and reassuring him of, of that um, throughout the year as I, you know, that I was Miss USA. Um, but it's, it's just true. You know, and now Matt and I have been together for 20 years. We've been married for 13 years. And we're super happy, and everything's, you know, it's all good. And now we look back at that year and we laugh about it. But for sure, I mean, like I said, it's just if you have to sit down and have a tough conversation with somebody and be that blunt, like, hey, you're either on board with me or you can leave. Like that, those conversations, having those tough conversations, if somebody's willing to stay and stick it out with you, and and do the sacrifice that you, you know, because again, it's only a year of your life. Uh, it's a short period of time then then it's
1: worth it and i think you know you and i can attest to this because i've been around professional athletes for a long time you've been around a lot of professional uh, musicians and actors and actresses for a long time we both know that mm-hmm. at, you know for everybody that's desiring oh that would be kind of cool It's one big fancy facade and most of them, you know, are are train wrecks, you know, their relationships, Uh they've been, you know, what's Leo DiCaprio been married like seven times. I mean, it's, it's a train wreck and it's just, you know, you're better off sticking with the person who's been with you the whole way. You know, it may be like a, a, what do they call it? A, a, A bright, shiny object, but it's at the end of the day, it's garbage.
0: Well, yeah, it is, especially because I just remember, I mean, you have to understand too, I also grew up with a, a mom who was a single parent my entire life. You know, my dad pretty much, he just dumped his family when I was six years old. My little sister was six months old. My older sister was eight years old. You know, my mom was a young mom with three little girls and zero. He didn't help her with child support. He didn't help her with anything throughout my entire life, including when all three of us went to college. My mom did that all on her own. And she all, she always, she raised us to be strong, independent women. And she also told us, because she got burned by this, she's like, do not ever rely on somebody else for money. Make your own money. And so for me, you know, Derek, you know, Derek Jeter's millions wasn't a flashy thing for me because I was like, I'm going to make my own money. I don't need a man to give me money. You know, What I want is, is a real relationship and, and love and you know, support and respect. Like, those are the things that are important for me. So that's why people like Derek Jeter had no chance, you know, with when I compared them to Matt, you know, even though he wasn't a multimillionaire and, you know, I just knew we'd be fine. It just, there's, you're absolutely right. When it comes to fame and fortune and like seeing um, a lot of these celebrities over the years and how, you know, they're, they're multiple failed marriages. They are unhappy. They are, I mean, I'm not saying everybody's like that, but a lot of them are. And it just goes to show you that fame and fortune aren't what makes it, that's not what makes a uh, happy life.
1: Well, let's talk about how you met all those people, because I think that's one of the coolest parts of your journey. Uh, you, you had mentioned you got signed with William Morris, thanks to Paula. And, you know, at yeah. the time, and, and and I think they still are, you know, they're, they're a powerhouse agency out there and they, you know, can pretty much make a phone call or two and get some things done. Um, you get a job mm-hmm. on MTV, which at the time, I mean, that was the show. I mean, in the afternoon you went home and you watched TRL. I mean, it was just, it was yeah. the, was Carson Daly there with you at the time? Was it the same time?
0: No, Carson wasn't there. But I mean, that was my that was my my high school days and my like middle school days. I would yeah. I couldn't wait to get home and watch Carson on TRL. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and it was just the coolest thing. And I was just looking through some of your pictures yeah. this morning. I mean, you were with so many A-listers, and uh, I saw one in particular with Giselle Bundchen now Giselle Brady. I mean, just so many cool people yeah. that you got to meet and befriend and um, interview. You know, as you look back on it now did pageantry open that door? I mean, is that the reason you got those jobs?
0: A hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have signed with Willie Morris if it wasn't for pageants, you know, for winning Miss USA. I definitely, I mean, they were, you know, I had moved out to LA right after I crowned Shandy and I started acting because that was my goal. Right. So I started taking acting classes. My, you know, I had a theatrical agent at Willie Morris agency, um, and then also, you know, I didn't know they did this, but they they had their um, hosting agents kind of looking out for for stuff for me. And when I was Smith USA that year, I, ha- I did host a show um, on Lifetime and it was like a three episode show that I that I hosted. Um, and that was kind of the first thing that I that I hosted. And um, they had that tape and they used that. And next thing I know, I think it was like maybe six three months after I crowned Shandy, I got a call from my agent and he said, Hey, so this isn't really like, this isn't what you're out there doing. I know you're focusing on acting, but, um, I was just talking to, you know, the casting department at MTV and you know, they're looking for a new DJ for TRL. Like, are you interested in that? Like you'd have to move back to New York. And I was like, yeah, that'd be really cool. (laughs)
1: Like,
0: (laughs) Why not? (laughs) you know? And yeah. And then we just started the process of like auditioning. But I mean, none of that would have never happened if I didn't win Miss USA, for sure.
1: Do you think that you enjoyed hosting more than acting once you got into it?
0: Um, You know, I was the kind of person Um, when I was a kid, I used to get in trouble a lot in school. I, I mean, if I tell you how many detentions I got in middle school <laughs> and high school, because I and my mom would get calls, like, you know, Susie's talking in class, so she has attention tomorrow. And my mom would just, she was, she'd shake her head and she's like, Susie, I don't understand. Like, why can't you just shut up? Why can't you just listen in class? Why don't you read along? You know, so when the teacher calls on you, you know where you are, like, and when it's your time to read. And I'm like, mom, I'm just so bored. Like, I was just so bored. And so for hosting, because I grew up with this gift of gab, hosting um, came very naturally to me and connecting with people. I've always loved just sitting down and having great conversations with people. Um, I love people. I'm interested in people and their their journeys, their stories. And so connecting with these celebrities, I just saw them as humans. You know, they didn't really, well, no, I was going to say, they didn't really intimidate me. i was super intimidated, of course, by Jennifer Lopez. But that was to my (laughs) But that was also my very. It basically first Basically, looks interview the same ever. as she did
1: 20 years ago.
0: Oh my gosh, it's ridiculous! <laughs> but she was my very first interview, so that was super intimidating. But like everyone else, you just want to have a human connection with them, and that's I think that that's what helped me get uh, through those you know big names, those A-list interviews, and. Um, I was excited to interview them, but I never was like, you know, freaking out or anything. Um, and so ho- hosting was always, I found it easier than acting. Acting was always more of a challenge for me.
1: By hosting, you were on red carpets all the times. I saw you in a bunch of magazines, People, OK, Self, you know, and, and a bunch of others. Um, is there mm-hmm. a point where, you know, as you're, you're going through that job after a few years that the high life, we'll call it, the red carpet life, th- does it get tired? Um, I've talked to a lot of hosts who who feel that way. I'd be interested to know what you think.
0: Yeah, no, I think, I mean, I'll tell you what the part, funny enough, it's so weird as a pageant c- girl to say this, but the part that I find most annoying is not the conversations, is the getting ready for the conversations. Like, I'm talking about like hair or makeup, wardrobe. <laughs> I don't like, I hate sitting and like an hour and a half. I'm like, it's just a lot. And like, You know, in that respect, sometimes it's like I'm so envious of of men who are hosts because it's like you guys get ready. I mean, Tim, you don't even have hair.
1: I know. I get ready (laughs) in five
0: minutes. (laughs) You're ready in five minutes. And it's going to take me like an hour and a half to go through like wardrobe and all this stuff, you know. And and for the most part, you know, you're wearing a suit. Right. So it's like, you know, it's fairly simple for you guys. Um, But. Yeah, that's the hardest part for me is I don't, whenever I have a fitting, like when I have fittings and I, I, it, it's like a, it's a double-edged sword for me because I, it's part of my job. It's part of what I have to do. But at the same time, it's like, when I have fittings, I'm like sweating. I don't want to do it. I'm like, oh my God, I hope the first outfit I try on is like the outfit. And, and I can just say yes and and be over be done with this. <laughs> um i don't I don't like shopping I'm a very odd woman I suppose I don't like shopping like for clothing I hate changing like the whole thing so that's what um that's what I find hardest about my job about the talking to people I love talking to people every what you day
1: say it's totally true uh, last year at teen USA so Nia had boxes uh-huh. and dresses and bags and her husband Daniel kept coming in the room with all kinds of stuff and then Anna Cantu would drop by and do some makeup touch up and some yep. hair and I'm like I got like a suit bag like you guys got like a trailer yep <laughs> it's, it's, it's it is pretty funny. It is a lot. Oh um, man! So yeah. as you continue through your career, uh, I think one of the big things that I, I specifically do remember—this was before I ever knew you—I specifically remember you were the Neutrogena girl, and that was a big deal. I mean, they don't have campaigns so much anymore where there's one specific person. I mean, maybe like the progressive lady is is one maybe these days that still does that, but yeah, normally they don't anymore. But back then, you know, I mean, you were a face of a brand and you literally like carried the brand on your shoulders. That's a big deal to get a job like that. How did you get it?
0: Oh, well, I was, that was um, a funny story. So I was in LA um, doing backstage stuff like for um, the MTV movie awards were happening out Mm -hmm. here. And so I was in uh, living in New York at the time, but because the, the movie awards were happening here in LA, they sent me out here to do, like red carpet work for TRL, like we were putting together a package for TRL from from the movie awards. And so they sent me out to do that. And I was in, the, so instead of a green room where all the celebrities after they won the their award would go to, to do press and hang out and like, you know, grab a drink and grab a bite to eat and stuff. Um, instead of a green room, they did the Neutrogena Amber Room. So Neutrogena was like the big sponsor of the movie awards that year. And so I'm in the Amber Room (laughs) and, you know, also interviewing uh, celebrities back there. And one of the marketing guys um, that I was friendly with at MTV, he said, he came over to me at one point. He was like, hey, Susie, like, come with me. I'm going to, I want to introduce you to the president of New Regina, who's here with his daughter. And his daughter's a big fan. She loves TRL. And I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, I'd love to meet him. So I go and we're chatting and his daughter's chatting and asking me questions about TRL. And she had brought her little, you know, her best friend with her and we we're having a great time. And at the end of the conversation, uh, the president of Neutrogena, he said, "You know what? when you get back to New York, I'd love to connect you with our ad agency. I think you should meet our ad agency. And I said, you know what? I should. <laughs> You're <ad> right. <laughs> you are so right, sir. I would love to. Immediately, I'll have my people call your people. We'll get this done. And yeah, and next thing I know, I'm sitting down with one of the biggest agencies in New York City, ad agencies. And, you know, they are looking for a new Neutrogena spokesperson. And um, they sign me. And I was a Neutrogena spokesperson for five years. Here's
1: what you got to tell me about those commercials because I've seen them a million times. Yeah the, the yeah. splashing of the water on your face with your hands. It looks like it's so uh-huh. produced. I mean, it looks like it, everything's absolutely perfect. Is it really hard to shoot? That? Yeah. <laughs> so
0: this <laughs> is the funny thing about my the commercials that I did. I never got to splash water in my face. Like they had, so the first commercial I ever did for them was for this new, like acne stress control Um, which I think is on, it's still on YouTube. You can find it. Like if you, if you Google like Susie Castillo acne stress control, control Neutrogena, like it'll pop, you can watch it. Um, All I'm doing is washing my face in a circular motion, like my cheeks with the soap, but I did not get the opportunity to splash water (laughs) on my face. And I was so upset about that because that was like that was like the move, right? Like with any of the Neutrogena like, yeah. commercials, like the splashing of it, it, it was like it the cliche, so silly, like commercial move. Yeah. And I didn't get to do that move. And I really wanted to, they were like, Oh no, we're doing this and that little. And I, there's a part where it's like, I act stressed out and I break a pencil They had dozens of pencils scored perfectly where they wanted it to break. There was like a whole thing. Okay, Susie, when you break this pencil, you're going to do it like this. And here's where you're going to put your fingers. Here's where your thumbs are going to be. It's very precise and nothing is left to chance. So I'm sure those moments of splashing, like when you watch somebody splash their face in a commercial, it just is like there's there's so much that goes so much thought that goes into every single frame of those commercials.
1: And I think what's hilarious, and I, I I obviously haven't been on a Neutrogena commercial, but I've been in some bigger commercial uh, productions. The amount mm-hmm. of people that are there for this just this one person to do this one thing, it, it's. It's almost hysterical. Oh, yeah. It's like, how many people did we pay? How much money did we spend today just to get that shot? I mean, it's it's outrageous sometimes.
0: It really is. Well, I remember, too, they wanted me to wear um, a beige tank top. And when I went into wardrobe, there were 100 beige tank tops <laughs> with different, you know, V-neck, scoop neck, high neck, a little lower, but not too low, you know, like, different sizes of, of, uh, straps, you know, like skinny straps, fat straps, like it was just incredible. Like just the amount of, of care and attention that go into those things. But it was certainly, um, so much fun to be a part of that. And, and again, another dream come true. I mean, if I wasn't watching TRL when I was a kid, I was a hundred percent watching like you know, Beverly Hills 90210 and Melrose Place and like, you know, those like super popular shows from back in the day. And I'll never forget watching. I think it was she was Dylan McKay's girlfriend was the Nogzima commercial girl. Um, oh, I can't remember uh, Rebecca, Rebecca Gayhart, Rebecca yes. Gayhart. Remember her? Yes. Oh, yeah. She was a huge model the back then. The and oh my gosh, the big curly hair. So mm-hmm. of course, as, because I was a young kid with curly hair, I loved her, you know, and I was like, oh my gosh, she's so pretty and she's washing her face. on during the commercials when I would watch 90210 and then she ended up being on 90210. And, and then there I was like all these years later, you know, working as an MTV VJ and shooting a commercial for Neutrogena, washing my face, like, Rebecca Gayhart was back in the day. I mean, I just remember having so many moments like that throughout my career where I'm just like, wow, like I need to pinch myself. This is crazy. And it all happened because of Miss USA.
1: <laughs> That's right. It did. Uh, now today you're yeah. still hosting. Um, you do a show called cultural capital with NASDAQ. Um, I talk about how mm-hmm. you got that and kind of what it is.
0: Yeah. So, um, I got that from MTV actually, one of the producers that I <laughs> it worked just keeps with. Going. Yeah. One of the, it just keeps, yeah, it snowballs. It's, you know, you, you create these great relationships with, um, you know, hopefully with you, with people that you worked with in the past and, um, the producer of, and, and he's a pro- executive producer, uh, direct some of the episodes as well of cultural capital, Matt Mills. He left MTV years ago and started his own production company. And he's hired me maybe three times after MTV to host different shows. I hosted a show on CBS for him. Um, and then, you know, he asked me to, to host cultural capital and I love working with him. So I said, and yeah, immediately was like, yes, absolutely. Um, and it, funny because cultural capital is, is kind of like mtv cribs for the tech startup world <laughs> like you you know i get in there the offices are amazing that's a good um, you know, analogy companies are, that's
1: a really good analogy
0: yeah yeah that's that's actually how they pitched the show to me you know and it was <laughs> i was like that's awesome i love it i'm in um and it's been great it's been i think we're on season four now getting ready to shoot more episodes next month um, we just got back from Brazil uh, late last year where we shot some episodes. So it's it's been great. It's been a great, great fun show to host.
1: Well, along your career, obviously one big uh, relationship happens. That's you and Shandy and uh, pageantology is yeah. born. What what year was that born again? Um,
0: 2013.
1: What did you, I know Shandy's told me what she kind of envisioned it to be. I mean, what did you really think when she proposed it to you that, did you think this was going to be a big success like it has been or did you think it was just going to be like a nice side hobby to still kind of be involved in pageantry?
0: You know, we were—we didn't know, you know, but we, we certainly had our hopes and dreams for pageantology. Um, but at the time, we were both hosting our own shows. Uh, I mean, Shandy's had a very successful hosting career as well, and we became friends after I moved back to LA because um, she and I crisscross um, a bunch, <laughs> um, and we had mutual friends, but we weren't—we didn't become friends until I was living in LA like full time. So after MTV, and um, we were at lunch, she pitched me the idea to do, you know, like workshops and and coaching girls together, and I was like, yeah. I mean, I mean, we're both pretty busy, but like, I don't know when we could when we would have time on the weekends, maybe. But we, you know, I, I thought it was a good idea because there weren't Miss USAs at the time that were coaching girls mm-hmm. um, for pageants. There weren't Miss USAs that had reached our, that had used the, the titles to reach the level of success in entertainment the way she and I had. And we're teaching that to girls, you know, it's almost, it was weird, you know, like with pageantry, as competitive as it can be, sometimes it's still competitive and you know, and in terms of girls don't want to share their secrets. They don't want to, you know, even though, like why not share it? Like you you're not competing anymore. And there weren't ever two national title holders that had come together to teach a workshop or to coach girls together. So we thought it was I thought it was a great idea and, and an interesting opportunity and um and that's where that's where we started. And actually my husband Matt was the one who came up with the the name pageantology, really? which we love because we we're like Yeah, he he came up with the idea and we love the idea of the word, you know, the word pageantology because we're like, oh, you know, there's kind of like it's kind of like a science, like there's a science to winning the pageant. So I love I love the scientific nature of the word pageantology. um, And that's what we ended up going with.
1: Well, and you mentioned that, you know, people hadn't come along and done what you guys were doing. And I think, yeah, I I got to I feel like pageant wide. That's kind of the case. I mean, it's very it's it's been a very traditional industry in and it's always kind of done things the same way everybody's kind of had the same type of roles jobs like for instance i mean I, I was stunned that there really wasn't a podcast out there that was doing what i what i do now and i you know it's just little things I like know. that it's like there's so many gaps i guess from a marketing standpoint yep. in the pageantry world that could exist that i think could really help it and you guys are feeling one 100%. i'm feeling another and i think there's so many more yeah
0: I agree, I agree there's just so much that can be done, so much more the industry I mean we need people to be innovative you know and to come up with ideas and to see it as a business like any other you know and I think once you get people's like wheels turning um, we'll have that innovation and and you have to look at well like what's you know what's missing what what do other industries have that has made it, that have made that particular industry successful that we don't have in the pageant industry, you know, and then kind of grab the bull by the horns and and run with it and you've done got, such a great job this I've got a ton so more I got great, a ton so. more
1: ideas thank you I appreciate that I've got so many yeah. more ideas that I, I if I'm if I can find the resources to get it all done you can bet I'm gonna do it
0: oh sure that's a thing I mean I remember years ago <laughs> telling Shandy I'm like okay if we're gonna do this I don't want to just coach girls I want to make this into a huge global brand I had this like <laughs> huge I'm like let's do makeup let's do hair stock let's do gowns like let's partner with this person or that person and like, let's take over the world of pageantry and shoe. And, you know, as you have all these grand dreams and things that you want to do, but then as you start educating yourself on it, you're like, oh, wait, I need how much money to start a makeup brand? And it might fail. Like, I need how much money to create? Like, you know, it's just, yeah, you're right. You need the resources are crazy. how how much money you need to kind of, you know, to get things off the ground like that. But where there's a will, there's a way. And if you can do it, more power to you because we uh, definitely need more, more innovation in the, in the pageant industry.
1: But that being said, I mean, you girls have been incredibly successful. I mean, you know, when I talk to you girls in the spring, it's like you barely have a moment in the the day because you're so, you know, packed back to back with coaching calls. Um, You guys have done really well.
0: Thanks. Yeah. We've been really happy with, with the company and, and just so awesome that six years later, you know, we're still doing it and, and girls are still responding to what we have to say. And it's nothing makes me happier than, to get an email from a mom or from a client of ours, you know, or a mom of a client who's just, you know, in tears and write, tells us like, Oh, in tears while I'm writing this, like, you know, I've never seen my daughter more confident. She's never had a better interview. We've had girls that have gotten into like the college of their dreams and have told us that they, you know, that the same, techniques we taught them for interview for the pageant they kind of use the same techniques for their job interviews and college entrance interviews and and have succeeded have found success not just in pageantry but outside of pageantry and I to me nothing makes me happier that that those same by the way same tools that I still use today when I go into a meeting with a producer or you know for another show or something these are the same techniques that I still use in my career today that I'm that we're teaching our clients, our pageantology clients.
1: Now, one of the things that you girls are known well for is your post-pageant videos after the Nationals, the uh, Miss Universe, Miss Teen USA, um, where you kind of do your breakdowns of everything. Um, Talk Mm -hmm. to me about, I'm sure it's challenging because, you know, you got to give critiques. You want to be critical of people. You want to be honest about, you know, your critiques of, you know, how somebody showed up or didn't show up. Um, How do you guys kind of determine... Um, what lines you cross, because I know Shandy's incredibly bold. I get that. And I'm sure Shandy will cross lines that maybe you won't. But how do you kind of go into it and determine what you will and won't talk about?
0: You know, I just always try to come from a place of love when I'm talking about it. Love for not just the (laughs) girls, but my love for pageantry, too. You know, now as a fan watching, you know, of course, I don't want to say, and it's so hard, right, because, and, and I like to start my critiques by saying, I don't know these girls These are just my superficial, like it is just superficial, like these things, you know, they have nothing to do, obviously, with who the girl is as a human being. This is just the superficial stuff because I don't ever want to hurt anybody's feelings. And I remember being, you know, when I was Miss USA, receiving a ton of criticism from people, whether it's on those um, message boards. I mean, back then it was mostly the message boards, I think. But now it's like, you know, girls get critiqued, critiqued all over the place, not just online, with message boards but like on social media and it's just you know I, I get it it can be really tough and you know my my biggest thing for, for girls who are competing is don't even look at that stuff don't read that stuff because it can get into your head and I remember reading some of it when I was Miss USA after I had won beforehand I had I didn't look at that stuff at all after I won my sister who was a big pageant fan my big sister <laughs> would call me and say oh my gosh they're saying this about you and that about you and they didn't like what you were wearing and blah 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 And I'm like, you know, there's only so much you can do. But for me, I was like, I reached my goal. I won Miss USA. I'm doing the best that I possibly can right now at Miss USA. I'm working really hard. Um, But, you know, I knew knew that I wasn't going to please everyone. And I I would hope that people don't take it personally. I think some have. I like to say that Shandy's the bad cop and I'm the good cop. (laughs) <laughs> when it comes to um not just our co- not just our coaching, but she I mean knows you know Shandy that. Well. Knows she, that. Listen, Shandy is my sister wife. Like she she knows. We I say this stuff to her face. Um she's the bad cop. But sometimes I come across as a bad cop during these recaps. <laughs> and let me tell you that especially from this universe, I've gotten a lot of heat from people in other countries, you know, pageant fans calling me all sorts of names and call both of us like all sorts of names it happens you know you just but we don't we don't read like we stopped reading that stuff when people got started getting really really nasty about it um i think most people enjoy our recaps um and you know we try to be respectful but also be honest and give our opinion and be entertaining while doing the whole thing you know because there's no point in putting out a video if you're not going to be entertaining
1: and you guys do do a great job. And, I, and, and mentioning what you were talking about with the Miss Universe, you know, the, the international countries, uh, this year was my very first Miss Universe. I think people will be shocked to know that. But it was my first Miss Universe. And I was stunned at how mm-hmm. I wouldn't even call it passionate. I would call it like Crazy. Some of these countries, I mean, they're they're crazy, like the delegations that they bring, how, I mean, it's like the most diehard New York Yankees or Red Sox fan you could ever imagine in your life, all in like a big group with, you know, paper boards of who they're voting for. I mean, I was sitting behind uh, Puerto Rico during the pageant. I was having a good time with them because I can get loud and I do. (laughs) And I got loud with them and and they were, you know, we were laughing back and forth. And I'm like, you guys are freaking crazy. I mean, they're nuts. Oh, yeah. It's so funny to watch.
0: It's it's 100 percent. The Latin countries are like, oh, my gosh, the pageant. It's just, you know, pageants are a huge part of the culture. Um, That's why, you know, like I said earlier, I grew up watching pageants, but I never in a million years thought that I'd be one of those girls like doing that you know um but yeah oh and and the the philippines too the philippines has the very very maybe the largest of like Colombia. yep all of them yeah but i a couple of miss universes ago um shandy and i were doing our recap and i met shandy was mentioning how miss venezuela had this beautiful long hair i think it was miss venezuela had like stick straight super long hair, like down to her bottom mm-hmm. and Shandy mentioned it. And I was like, well, I mean, I wasn't like a jerk about it. I don't think I was like, well, Shandy, you know, it's extensions. Like all these girls wear extensions, you know, we all do at the pageant and she did not have extensions. in. so it was and my bad. but let me tell you, Oh my gosh, online, the Venezuela folks. I had to, <laughs> I couldn't change my Instagram account to become private because I have a blue check mark. And apparently, I learned this back then. If you have a check mark, you can't switch really? over to a private account. Tim, it was horrific. Like, the things that they were saying to me on my Instagram account, I had to, like, so what I ended up having to do is go through and maybe, like, the last, Three dozen posts that I had posted, I had to um, shut the comments off just on all of them, and then them? turn them back. Yeah, just well, because I was trying to delete them, but I literally couldn't delete them fast enough. The fans in Venezuela were coming at me at like a million miles per hour, and I couldn't keep up with them. God bless them; they're really passionate about their their delegates. Um, well, I guess it's but flattering to said. know that
1: they're watching in Venezuela. I guess that's the one thing to be flattered by.
0: Well, I don't even know. Well, it's funny because the way social media works, you know, everything spreads like wildfire, right? All this gossip. So it was like, Oh, this jerk, former Miss USA, Susie Cassidy, has this girl, you know, her hair is, is like, you know, being mean to Miss Venezuela. So then they just don't even watch and they automatically go and start, you know, spewing their hate and you know, what are you gonna do? Like that's it's it's really and all I said was that I thought she had extensions in her hair. You know, which a lot of the girls, I dare I say, the majority of pageant girls wear. I'm not knocking it, well, it I could be, You know, and it could be one head. of
1: those cultural things where, you know, maybe in that culture you don't say that. I, I have no idea. I mean, who knows?
0: I, who knows, right? But yeah, so it's, it's things like that. Yeah, that sometimes, you know, we, there, there's good and there's bad with putting your opinion out there in the world and you have to accept both.
1: Yeah. And I, look, I've learned the same thing. I've been blown away. I mean, I'm sure you girls are watched in hundreds of countries around the world. I, I was blown away when I jumped into my podcast platform to find out that this is listened to in 113 countries. And I was like, what really? I was, I was thinking yeah. like three, you know, maybe Mexico, maybe Canada. You know, I, I didn't, you know, I was blown away. So yeah, I think people are very passionate and looking for stuff like the I put out, um, you know, which is just, you know, I think further evidence that there needs to be more of it. But, um, yeah. I guess as we look at your future and what you have moving forward, I know you do pageantology. I know you still have cultural capital. What should mm-hmm. everybody be looking for from Susie Castillo moving forward?
0: Oh my gosh. Hopefully some really exciting things. I'm kind of, um, I, I just started working with a new manager and he's great. He's also a producer and has been an agent at, you know, at William Morris Agency and, and back in the day, he wasn't my agent back then, but Um, he comes from the agent world and now he manages talent and he's helping me put together um, a few just continue cultivating my uh, show ideas that I've had for years. And just because I've been in front of the camera and not have had my producer hat on ever, he's helping me kind of put my foot into, into that area of, of entertainment. And so my, my goal is to pitch a couple of shows the strongest he kind of chose i pitched them all my ideas that i had and he's like all right slow down like here are the two that i love most let's focus on those and um let's get you into some rooms and pitch them and hopefully somebody buys it a netflix or someone and uh and yeah and so i'll be wearing my producer hat soon hopefully that is my next big career goal that i have okay.
1: Well, Good so, luck. I'll be looking forward to that.
0: Yeah thank, thank you so much. yeah Of course. I, I just want to say a couple of the idea, of the ideas of course are, are pageant related things. so no. I'm, I'm <laughs> no I know I'm very excited so well I, I just hope that people are as excited about the ideas as I am because I think they're innovative and, and would be great television.
1: Well, I'll so be we'll praying see. for you. I'll certainly be praying for success. Thank you. All right, so let's do uh, so 10 rapid-fire get-to-know-Susie questions. Are you ready?
0: Okay, yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> All
1: right. <laughs> Number one, what's your favorite 90s jam?
0: <gasps> oh, my gosh. Oh, it's going to be 90? Another. There's a um, lot. I was, was, oh, man, maybe November Rain. That one was, like, epic, so epic, especially the video.
1: Number two. As a child, what did you want to be when you grew up?
0: Actor and a host and a model.
1: And look at you, fulfilling the dreams. Yes! <laughs> uh, number three, what's one of the things that you would still like to cross off your bucket list?
0: Um, oh my gosh. I have, so my last name, Cecil means castle mm-hmm. in Spanish. And I want to do like a around the world trip and visit as many castles as I possibly can. Like, I want to just have a castle trip to honor my girl, name really
1: cool. <laughs> Yeah. Number four, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given?
0: Oh, that I can be anything I, I want to be in life. Anything I put my mind to, I can, I can accomplish it through hard work and dedication.
1: All right, here's a serious one. Number five, what store do you shop at the most?
0: This is really hard. Okay, no, it's not. Actually, Whole Foods, that's where I shop at the most.
1: <laughs> ah, that's a good one. <laughs> Whole Foods, yeah.
0: Because I, I told you, I don't like shopping, like shopping, shopping for clothes. But if I had to choose a clothing store, I do love uh, Zara. Zara is probably my favorite at the moment. Um, yeah, that, but that's,
1: a, that's a big in, passion in, favorite.
0: Yeah, Zara's great.
1: Number six, which decade had your favorite fashion trends?
0: Whoa... <laughs> i think right now yeah right yeah right now
1: number seven which decade had the best music
0: um i think the 80s
1: i agree 100 percent. yeah i'll go with the 80s number eight favorite destination you've ever visited oh
0: um gosh this is hard um <laughs>
1: you've been a lot of places i'm sure
0: I'm going to say Paris is my favorite so far.
1: Number nine, what's one item that you could never live without?
0: Wow. Um, moisturizer.
1: By the way, most girls, most girls save their phone, which is not surprising. But you got moisturizer. Mm, That's
0: good. I have moisturizer. Yeah, I'm 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 getting much better with my phone. Like I, le- I put my phone down, and I won't look at it for hours and hours. I'm I not would, attached to my phone anymore. I
1: would actually love to live without my phone. I would love that. Awesome oh. wonderful. all right last like one number cool 10. Yeah. Yeah. what's your favorite <laughs> social media platform
0: um gosh Instagram for yeah, sure I,
1: think that's the I love
0: photos right I love photos I've always loved photography and so I, I love I, I, I like using Twitter as well but it's not as fun as Instagram because Instagram of course is more visual
1: yeah all right that's 10 questions yeah. you're off the hook nice job thank you that was yeah. hard well, thank you so much for taking the time. I, uh, I, I know we've been looking forward to trying to do this for a while, and, you know, I've had you and Shandy on, and then I had Shandy on, and we had quite the conversation, and now uh, we got you on, and I'm, I'm just real thankful for you, and I, I hope we continue to stay in touch here. as uh, I, I'm sure there's plenty of stuff coming up pageant-related that we'll connect on.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Tim. It was so much fun talking to you. Thank
1: you. Thanks for listening to today's episode, everybody, and to Susie Castillo for her time. Now, if you want to follow her on social media, as she just said, she's on Instagram at Susie Castillo. If you enjoyed the podcast, if you wouldn't mind, please subscribe. You can do so on Spotify, iTunes, the podcast app, Google Play, and YouTube, or you can just go to lifeafterthecrown.com. And for weekly podcast updates, just follow me on Instagram at Tim Tialdo. Until next time, remember the words of Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Have a great week, everybody.